Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. My goodness, there is such a sweet presence of the Lord here this morning, and I sometimes feel like I don't have the words to even articulate what I'm feeling, but uh, I'm so sorry. I chatted with you this morning, but can you remind me of your name? Billy. I, uh, this week, I was asking God the question... You know, God, like, what are you looking for in your people? And um, the last few weeks or months, I've seen you just in this place of desperation be at the altars, like running in this sense of, I don't even care who's in the room, who's looking at me, what I look like. I'm just desperate for an encounter with God. And I felt like God said to me this morning, that is what I'm looking for in my people People who aren't worried about what anybody's looking like and don't necessarily have it all figured out, but who would just come desperately before him. And I was so just touched by the way you so purely and genuinely want to meet with God. And I think he's going to use that. I know he's going to use that uh, to take you further than you could ever go on your own. So, yeah. And then Chucky who I love so much. I just said to Mel as you came off the stage, I said, I love her. She's amazing. This woman, not only is she uh, a force in the local church and has an incredible voice, but you, she is a weapon in the workplace. And I, you don't even know half of the things, I don't even know half of the things that she does and that she carries on her shoulders. But um, she was having a conversation with Melissa and I a couple months ago. And you said something along the lines of, uh, I was asking you about, you know, how do you do it? Like, how do you serve in church and work such a crazy job? And you said something along the lines of just everything that you do, you do unto the Lord. And I just thought, wow, I, I so admire you and your ability to everything in your life. I just see it. You do it unto the Lord. And I think that's so beautiful. And there is going to be fruit and so much reward in your life that you haven't even seen the fruit of yet because of how faithful you've been in church, in family, in so many different spheres because you do everything unto the Lord. So I think Chucky is amazing. Give her a clap. There's so many amazing people in this church family. It makes me emotional. Adriana and Jamie back there. Jan, the youth team. So awesome. Who's excited to be in church this morning? I am too. I've so been enjoying uh, this series that we are in. Um, of Sabbath, and we are wrapping it up today, and I'm really, really excited, but I wanted to give a quick little 
plug before we dive into the message today. Um, if you are a youth student or a parent interested in coming on, if you didn't know, we're going to the LA Dream Center on spring break, and we're going to be doing our very first youth missions trip, which we are super excited about. So we are having our info meeting in the kids' auditorium directly after service today. You do have to be 15 and up to go on the mission trip in March, so just wanted to mention that as well. Why don't we pray together? You know, our, our primary purpose, and I felt God reminding me this up to me as well in worship, our primary purpose in gathering together as a local church is not to get something or to receive a word or to feel nice, but the primary purpose in gathering as a local church body is to worship God. It is to worship God. And so why don't we just pray together for a moment. I know I have to do this when I come to church sometimes. I'm not coming here to to feel something or get something. First and foremost, I am here to worship God. So why don't you just pray with me in your own words. If you need to close your eyes, whatever you got to do. Father, we thank you that you're here this morning. Jesus, we're here to worship you. We're here to worship you in every season. We're here to give you our focus, our attention, our yes, our best. When it feels good, when we have the energy, when it makes sense, when it doesn't, God, the prime primary purpose that we're here today is to worship you in spirit and in truth, God. So would you align our hearts with yours, God? Align our hearts to accurately come into your presence to worship you and redirect and realign our thoughts from where we have any messed up ideas or wrong ideas of what it means to come into the house of God and what the whole point is. So, Holy Spirit, we just give this morning to you. We give this space to you. We say, come and have your way today, God. We want to meet with you. We want to hear from you. And would your plans and your purposes prevail today above anything else? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Well, if you've been with us the last few weeks, as I said, you would know we're in a series on Sabbath, and we have heard from Pastor Tim, we have heard from Pastor Steve, and if you um, have been paying attention, you know that the word Sabbath means Shabbat in Hebrew, and it has four meanings that function like four movements of the Sabbath day, and those four movements are rest, stop, sorry, stop, rest, delight and worship. And we've looked at stop and rest. And if you haven't guessed it already today, we are looking at delight, which I'm very excited about. The word uh, delight means to find joy in anything. And obviously today we're looking at delighting in God, but we're going to start with a little exercise. Is that okay with everyone? Okay, so I'm going to say a few words, and I want you to pay attention to your internal reaction to these various words, all right? I said all right. All right. Gardening, budgeting, tomatoes, family vacations, early mornings, children, hiking, church, Church and money, yikes. 
your childhood best friend, and Sabbath. I'll let you into a bit of my internal dialogue on the Sabbath, perhaps maybe even a month ago. I would have thought boring. I would have thought of napping, which I don't do. I live by the phrase, I'll nap when I'm dead. Someone talking in a very slow yoga voice. And really just low on the list of importance when it comes to my faith. It's fine if you want to do that, but I don't necessarily need it. It's not that significant. So those were some of my preconceived ideas and perceptions of the Sabbath, but I will say this. I have been so personally challenged and blessed uh, the last few weeks, both in looking at the Sabbath on Sundays, but also for those of you who are in a practicing the way small group, you've also been looking at the Sabbath together. And I've been challenged and I have been refreshed and it's been so good for me personally in my faith. And here are some of the definitions that I have loved on what the Sabbath is. Here are just a few. An entire day where I say I have enough and I am enough. Resting from wanting and worrying because we live in a culture of unchecked desire for more. A weekly act of identity formation. A command, but also a gift from God. A discipline that doesn't in itself change us, but creates space for Jesus to come in and transform us. So it wasn't this idea that God needed a break and was burnt out, and so he rested. But it's this picture of finishing a long day of work and getting home and sitting on your front porch and kicking your feet up and just being or finishing a project with your team at work and then getting together to celebrate at the end and just taking a breath. That is the Sabbath. So as we have looked at stopping and resting, what does it mean to delight, to take pleasure, to find joy in? And I want to introduce you to something called the negativity bias that I've been reading about the last uh, couple of weeks. And there's this guy, let's call him Josh. Josh goes into his engineering company and he is presenting an idea, a new project to his team at work. And there's, let's say there's 11 people in the room and 10 of these people in the room give him super positive feedback. They say, Josh, that's awesome. We love your idea, amazing. And then there's one person in the room who says, yeah, it's, it's a little bit clunky. You could change this and, and that. And I think if we maybe did it this way, you know, we might see better results. And so the rest of the day, Josh is thinking of that one negative comment, even though he had 10 positive comments. That in a nutshell is the negativity bias that most of us are, as human beings are prone to, that bad emotions and bad feedback have more impact than good ones. That the self is more motivated to avoid bad self-definitions than to pursue good ones. And so this study was done in a book that is called Hardwiring Happiness. 
And prior to the study that was done, it was assumed that all of our sensory organs, which is our ears, our eyes, that we take in information and regardless of whether it's positive or negative, we just take it in sort of neutrally, we assess it and then we make those decisions based on the information. But actually that isn't true because not only does negative information that you're taking in trigger more neural activity, but research shows negativity is detected more quickly and easily in our brains. And stay with me here. There's an area in our brain called the amygdala. And it's our brain region that regulates emotion and motivation. And it uses about two-thirds of its neurons to detect bad news. So essentially in this article, it's saying that two-thirds of our motivation regulator is designed to focus on negativity. Even economic studies... Uh, have been done that couples and people make financial decisions mostly based on what they want to avoid rather than what they want to achieve, which I thought was fascinating, but makes a lot of sense. And I'm not going to go further into this, but I do believe knowledge is power and to be aware of our negativity biases that most of us do have. And the problem is in... Life is that sorrow is inevitable, but joy is not. Sorrow and sadness is unavoidable, but joy is not. In the book of John, chapter 15, verse 11, it says, this is Jesus. He says, these things I have spoken to you that, may, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And other translations will say something like that your joy may overflow. And you know that feeling when you are just so full of joy, you could just scream or dance or celebrate or cheer and it like erupts out of you and you can't even hardly contain it. Do you know that that is Jesus's desire for the level of joy in your life? I'm not sure we're all experiencing that, but that is actually God's desire for us, that we would experience that level of joy. And I thought, wow. But also, gosh, it's heartbreaking because I know that's not the reality for so many people. So let's talk about joy for a moment. It encompasses sort of three different, different aspects of what joy is, and it is a feeling of course, it is a condition, but it's also a discipline. So joy as a feeling, you probably have heard if you've been in church or around Christians for any amount of time that, you know, joy and happiness are not the same thing. They are separate. But actually in scripture, happiness and joy are used interchangeably. And of course, there is a joy from God that goes beyond our circumstances, you know, but there is also the feeling of joy in our life that we get when all is well in our worlds. So it is in part a feeling, but it's also a condition. Who we become as we follow Jesus, a character trait. So no, not just a feeling that you have no control over that kind of uh, hits you based on circumstances, it is a condition. You may have heard in Galatians 5 about the fruits of the spirit, the fruits of the spirit, one of them being joy, like kindness, gentleness, self-control, all the rest that comes from being connected to the vine, like Pastor Lauren talked about 
that is Jesus. And lastly, a feeling, a condition, and it is a discipline, which is probably the most challenging one for most of us. There are times in life when joy comes easy and it's a natural response to something like your wedding day or when your first child is born or when you receive some good news or somebody gives you a gift. But there's also times when joy is just a sheer act of obedience to Jesus. Richard Foster says this, and I love this quote. It says, the decision to set the mind on the higher things of life is an act of the will. That is why celebration is a discipline. It is not something that falls on our heads. It is the result of a consciously chosen way of thinking and living. Celebration is a discipline. And I'm going to go on a little rabbit trail for a moment here, but nothing irks me more in our culture today that there is this idea that if you feel incapable of celebrating someone else, that you're just going to opt out because you don't have it in you for whatever reason. And I want to elaborate on that in a moment, but in Romans 12, 15, it says that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and, of course, to mourn with those who mourn. But there, it is almost trendy right now to sit with people in their pain as we should, empathize and listen and grieve with people, absolutely. But can you rejoice with those who rejoice? What about when somebody else gets the promotion at work that you wanted? Or the house, or that family down the street can afford to go on the vacation this year and you just can't swing it and you're scrolling through your Instagram and you're seeing photos of their Italian wine tour and you're thinking like, you just sense this kind of anger rise up in you. Or what about when someone pulls up into church with their brand new Tesla and you're rolling in in your 2008 Honda and you find yourself looking at the person sitting next to you in the car and saying, well, yeah, I mean, they don't, really work as hard as us anyways. And I, I mean, they don't deserve that because A, B, and C. Ooh, that is a dangerous and popular, sadly, mentality to have. And may I suggest to you, it's actually a reflection of some nice, not so nice things going on in your heart. That's a you problem. That's a me problem. If I cannot celebrate with those who are rejoicing in their wins. And a win for somebody else does not equal a loss to you. Our culture has a celebration problem because we have a jealousy problem, which is really just a selfishness problem. Here's my prayer for us all today. As followers of Jesus, if you are one in the room, that when somebody else gets that win, that we would be the first people to show up in that person's world and celebrate with them and cheer them on. I'm not saying the feeling will always be there. It might be hard, but when you can say no, no to your flesh, I'm going to celebrate the win with the person even when it's hard for me. Can we be Followers of Jesus who celebrate with others rather than becoming critical and jealous 
Because when we celebrate with others, that's what cultivates thankfulness in our own hearts. And it's a lot less uh, difficult to cultivate thankfulness in our own lives when we celebrate with others. Sabbath is a discipline of celebration and a delivery mechanism for joy. It is one of the most important disciplines by which we become people who are full of joy like our God. Now, we are going to look at our text today in just a moment, but before we go any further, I felt such a strong sense this week that for some people in the room, or maybe you're watching online, that the thought or idea of stopping and resting, you can wrap your mind around that. But when it comes to delighting in God, that seems a little difficult and perhaps even overwhelming. And I almost could feel the resistance in people's minds or hearts about what that means. And maybe you even feel a sense of guilt or anxiety around delighting in God because you're not really sure that he delights in you. In Psalm 18, verse 19, he says, he brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. If there's one thing I would want you to remember today, if you don't remember anything else, is that before, even for a moment, you delighted in God, he first delighted in you. And you may experience or feel some resistance at the idea of delighting in God, but may I suggest to you that perhaps it's because at your core, you don't truly believe that God delights in you. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 1 and 2 together today. Chapter 1, verse 31. It says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating he had done. So as you may know, the work rested is translated into Shabbat in Hebrew. And while it literally means to stop or rest, it also has this idea that God delighted in his work. He delighted in his creation, in what he created. And, you know, so much of our language, and myself included, around the Sabbath can really be such a works mentality of, oh, I know I should Sabbath, rest, whatever. I, I, I know I'm supposed to be doing that. Ah. But God so desires for us to actually delight in him, not out of obligation, but out of a pure, a, a pure place of knowing that God so delights in us and so we, in turn, can delight in him. 
And so what exactly are we delighting in? That's important. And so we are to delight in God's world, in his word, and in God himself. So what does that mean? To delight in God's world, we recognize that everything in the world around us belongs to God. And as we recognize our potential for that negativity bias that we talked about earlier, we get the opportunity to fix our eyes on the goodness in the world around us, on what we see beauty in. But that actually takes intentional thinking and focus to fix our eyes on the world that God created, his creation. In Philippians 4.8, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Delight in God's world. And in God's word. This could be a whole message in itself and something I'm so excited about and and passionate about. But ironically enough, I think uh, the Bible may be the most underused tool for Christians in our world today. And a prayer that I have been praying for myself and for our team is that just like the feeling you get when you skip a meal or you go all day without eating for whatever reason, and then suddenly you're just keenly aware of your hunger, that would be the level of hunger that I have for God's word in my life daily. That that would be the level of hunger that our students have for the word of God. Like a desperate, I need to be in the word because I don't want to take a step without living my life abiding in the word of God. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. And lastly, we delight in God himself. So we delight in God's world, in his word, and in God himself. So we believe in God, we obey him, perhaps we fear him, but to delight in him? The more time we spend with God in prayer and in his word, the more we realize how incredibly good he really is. And the more that we draw closer to the very heart of God, not what someone else has told us or through our fractured lens of pain, but who God is in his perfection. The more that we do that, the more that we realize that everything we've ever longed for and will ever long for, he's it. He is it. And as the worship team comes back up, if that's all right, I want to highlight something that you may have heard in your small groups if you're in a practicing the weight group. It is this concept called the Sabbath sadness. And I thought it was really interesting. 
And it's that oftentimes when you arrive at the point of Sabbath in your week and you finally stop and rest, that you are met with what they call a Sabbath sadness. And that could be for, you know, two reasons. One, because you're actually experiencing some sort of pain or difficult situation in your world, you know, and you're alone with your thoughts and you're face-to-face with yourself and you experience that sadness for obvious reasons. But they also say that it's very common that your nervous system is so overstimulated from overactivity on the previous six days that when you get to your Sabbath day, you even can experience sadness and you're not even really sure why. And I thought, oh, that's so interesting. And I love the way that Jesus lays out for us how we are to go through pain because typically as human beings, we either do one or two things. We try to bypass our pain and skip over it. I know that's definitely my tendency. Or we get stuck in it and we can't get beyond it. And Jesus lays out the example to us in his death and resurrection on the cross. And this is so beautiful, but this is how we are to move through pain. Jesus felt every ounce of pain and sin from every human being in the world. He didn't bypass it. He wasn't numb to it. He wasn't miraculously able in that moment to not feel pain. The Bible says that he actually felt it all. But he also didn't stay there. If you know the end of the story that he was crucified on the cross, the most pain anyone has ever experienced and will ever experience. And he died. But then he rose again. And he was victorious. And he came out on the other side of that pain. This is how Jesus lays out for us how we are to move through pain in our lives. And actually, in that place of pain, God created us to delight in him. So whether you find that on your day of Sabbath or even when you get a moment of rest in your week and you feel like it is so easy to do and you don't experience any resistance or you are met with some form of Sabbath sadness, we can delight in God. And he created us to delight in him. If you could just dim the lights a little bit, Jan, that would be awesome. I want to pray for some people today. I mentioned earlier, and maybe this resonated with you, that you do feel some resistance in your heart, and maybe you're only noticing it today for the first time or right now, that when it comes to this idea of delighting in God... You just can't quite get there. 
want to pray for you today. And I believe that God wants to... At the deepest level of your core and in your heart, break off that belief that he doesn't delight in who you are. And you may believe that on a larger scale, he loves me in a general sense, but do you know that God knows you and loves you deeply and so delights in you as his son or as his daughter. But sometimes it takes actually admitting that. God, I don't know how to delight in you. I'm not even sure why I want to. And allow the Holy Spirit to come and to break off those thoughts that he never had about you to begin with. And the second group of people I want to pray for today I had this weird picture a couple days ago that I was asking the Lord about and I almost saw certain people running with a bucket of water and beside them there was a a deep well and I felt like God was saying there are people who are settling for the bucket when there's a well right beside them. So why don't you stand with me in the room today? Thank you, Holy Spirit. God is looking for people like Billy who had just set aside everything to sit at the feet of Jesus. And he loves you no matter what, but I felt God's heart just like speaking over people today that there's more for you. You don't have to settle for the bucket when there's a well available to you. You don't have to settle for a surface level faith where you just go through the motions. God's greatest desire for you is an intimate relationship with you, his kid, more than anything else. And it's so funny, I, when I realized I was going to be speaking on Sabbath delight, I laughed to myself a bit because a little while ago, I went through a season where I felt so unmotivated in my faith and in my relationship with God. And I was even reminiscing this morning of one day feeling really frustrated and my roommates were trying to talk to me and I slammed the door of the house and I walked out to my car. And I remember God said to me a couple days after that, he gave me this Psalm and it's Psalm 37 verse 23 and it says, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in me. And earlier in that same Psalm, it says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We want 
the steps and the desires, but we're bypassing the delight part. And God cared so much more about me delighting in him than he did about the steps I was taking. And so with every eye closed in the room this morning, maybe you're in that first group of people and you feel like, if I'm honest with myself, I don't really feel like God delights in me, let alone knows me or loves me personally. Or maybe you've never even made that decision to make Jesus your savior. Maybe you've been going through the motions and showing up to church for a little while, but you've never for your own self invited Jesus to come into your heart. And there is an invitation for you today, not to have it all figured out, but to say, God, I'm choosing you back because I know you already chose me first. So if that's you today, and you wanna make that decision to say, yeah, Jesus, I wanna live my life for you and with you. With every eye closed, why don't you just go ahead and pop up your hand if you wanna make that decision. Awesome, amazing. I hope you know that all of heaven is rejoicing with you today and you have a whole church family who is also rejoicing with you and if you made that first time decision today make sure you come up and chat with someone on our prayer team and so we can get you a bible and if you're here today and you feel like that may be true for you i've been settling for a bucket of water when there is a well available to me that never runs dry that never runs dry, that never runs dry. And I don't wanna just live a mediocre life and passive relationship with God. I want it all. God, I want all that you have for me. I wanna be like Billy. I wanna be desperate for your presence. No matter what anyone thinks of me, no matter what I look like, God, I want everything that you have for me. If that's you today, would you be so bold just to pop your hand up? God, I want everything that you have for me. And I feel like I might've been settling for less. So Jesus, today, we thank you so much, God, for who you are, that you never give up on us that you love us too much to leave us as we are. Lord, I thank you that you have more for your people, God. That you wanna renew a desperation in this room today. Like I just see like almost a new desperation being birthed in people's hearts. A desperation for your presence. A desperation for your word. A desperation just to hear your voice, to know your name. And so Holy Spirit, would you just touch every person in the room today who raised their hand and those who did not, God. Would you do something new? We're not satisfied with what's been done. We thank you, God, that you're doing a new thing. We thank you, God, that you're doing a new thing. So we love you today. 
we say that you are worthy and deserving of our worship. You are worthy and deserving of our whole lives. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Serena. Wasn't that awesome? So proud of her. Making it all. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.